This is the all-new Uprising, starring Steve Alquist and Greg Brailsford. Today, we discuss cannabis and minimum wage. A whole episode dedicated to the choices of topics you picked. Let's go. Steve. Hey, I got to make the tie-breaking vote on the uh, minimum wage. That's true. That's yeah. very true. Minimum uh, cannabis, legal, uh, cannabis legalization won our poll easily. Uh, but there was a very close race for the, uh, the middle two choices that we gave of minimum wage and the role of lieutenant governor. Yeah. And Steve cast the tie-breaking vote this morning. He did not vote in our poll. He forgot. Tisk tisk. <laughs> but uh, he did vote this morning and made the tiebreaker. And so we're covering cannabis and minimum wage. And we'll get to the lieutenant governor in a future episode. Promise. We're yeah. Going. Just because we don't cover a topic uh, that we you vote on this week doesn't mean it won't be renominated yeah. in a future week. So. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, so uh, we have some ideas for next week's topics, but, uh, you know, Lord of Lieutenant Governor could very well be one of them as Absolutely. well. So uh, we're not going to ignore that. But today, cannabis and minimum wage. We'll start with cannabis. All right. So, sir, um, as the resident pothead in the uh, in the uh, radio show, why don't you tell us about your... <laughs> yeah. Honestly... Uh, and nobody believes me when I tell them this, but it's absolutely true. You can check with my wife or any of my friends. I've never even tried pot. I don't believe that, Steve. Even once in my entire life, I've never done it. Steve, your haircut says I try pot. No kidding. Everything about me says that. And yet, <laughs> in truth, you can ask any friend, anybody who really knows me, they'll tell you it's true. I've never done it. But that said, I totally have friends, acquaintances, and loved ones who have and swear by it and use it regularly, semi-regularly, recreationally. Right. Or medically. All that. I know people in all those categories and none of them are terrible people. So, so what is the reason, Steve, that you never tried it? Uh, I just I've always been kind of a straight edge guy. Yeah. Once I, once I turned 18 and stopped drinking, I've never done. You turned 18 and stopped drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to see a, like a, you get to I, I, on my 18th birthday. I saw a life trajectory that said more Jim Morrison. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be the poor version of Jim Morrison dying in Warwick, not dying in a bathtub in France, right? Yeah. So I said, I'm going to do something different. And once I stopped doing that, it kind of changed my life in a really big way. Gotcha. All right. Well, fair enough. And we won't cover too much of your, your personal use. <laughs> I because, don't mind. It's uh, cool. It's, it's, there's non-existent. It, your personal use isn't really personal use. You know? Right. If you don't do it, then there's not much to talk about. But um, I think it is important to discuss like, uh, and first of all, guys, this f the format of our show is obviously changed this week. And instead of just covering news topics and kind of giving a little slight slant on our views uh, of those topics, we want to just take two topics and just talk about all angles of them. You know, for example, with cannabis legalization, me and Steve are both very much in favor yeah. of legalization. But I think for the show and to get the, the perspective of people who may not be for it, I think it's important to debate why uh, people may not be for it. You know, it's important to look at, at, at different sides or different angles of why people might think things. And I don't mean that in a, in a both sides kind of way like we're used to hearing where, you know, giving both sides the same, you know, clout uh, in terms of, you know, the facts are not facts and stuff like that. But what we mean is that, you know, someone that might be against minimum wage, um, excuse me, against cannabis legalization may have heard things, you know, uh, reefer madness, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's important to kind of clarify, you know, what, what we does, what it doesn't do, especially if you've never tried it before. Like, how do you know? If you've never tried cannabis before, then how on earth do you know what it does to you, what it's like? And you just have to go by what other people say. And, you know, people have motivations for saying things that may not necessarily be true. Like, for example, the federal government currently uh, outlaws cannabis. Right. Now, 
they can't give you a good reason why. They they make up reasons why, you know, um, a lot of that reefer madness stuff. But the fact of the matter is that they have no idea why why it's illegal. It's just because it has been. It has been, so it continues to be. And a lot of states are smartening up to that, and uh, and for good reason. Because you know, ever since I was young and, and discovered what cannabis was, I always wondered, how is this a free country if you're not allowed to possess a plant? Like, there's a plant, it grows here natively, it's not like it was taken in from some other country, and you can't grow it here, and if you possess it, like, you could go to jail, like, actually be put in a cage and stolen away from your family for possessing a plant. Mm -hmm. That's a free country, Steve? <clears throat> it's been happening for years, since at least the 1930s in, in America, and it's be happening because racism, right? Because it was associated with uh, black people, it was associated with, uh, you know, uh, it was a idea of criminalizing um, something that people do so that we have an excuse to put them in prison. So we have an excuse to remove them from the economy, from the uh, social life, from the uh, world. And it's a way of uh, policing and criminalizing a whole group of people. And this is like the roots of it forever. So I was I was reading the other day, and this was informational to me um, yeah. that I wasn't quite aware, is that uh, like the term marijuana they came up with that as kind of a slight against uh, Mexican immigrants. Interesting. Um, that I don't know if you had read this. I had read this that um, you know that term was kind of coined to to elicit ill feelings towards uh, Mexicans. And uh, again, this was something I kind of just briefly uh, reviewed. It was yesterday, or the day before, but it was it was interesting to me that you're like you're right. It, it was based on racism, whether it's you know against black people now or Mexicans back when they coined that term. It's always had racist connotations, you know. Or against hippies in the 1960s, right? The free love movement. And yep. The the kids of the 60s discovered pot, and then the next thing you know, we're coming down on hippies hard, right? Because it was a useful way to attack them. You know, you know, you can't go after them for cigarettes and alcohol, but you can go after, and you can't go after them for necessarily free love, but you can hit them for marijuana, so do it. Or I'll sell you cannabis to avoid the racist implications of the term, as you pointed out, right? So that's what we did it for. Put lots of people in jail, lots of people at risk, uh, ruined many, many, many lives. Whole families just decimated because somebody had pot on them or police planted pot on them, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be that you're actually using marijuana. If you fit the description, people assume. And they can, and, you know, it's hard to prove to a jury that wasn't mine. <laughs> These yeah, dishonest cops put it on me. That's, you know, what jury believes that? Not many, especially an all-white jury with a Mexican, Latino, or black defendant, or a hippie defendant who cuts his hair and puts on a suit for one day to be in court, right? Right. Um, yeah, so it's it's a tool of coercive control. Nixon knew this. Oh, Nixon used it to to no end. I mean, he was uh, he started the war on drugs. It was right. him. He is the Richard Nixon has cost this country so much money, yeah. so much money in wasted enforcement on drug laws and destroyed so many families from incarceration as a result of these drug laws. That man, I mean, wow, when you put it like the two villains of the the 20th century up there, You've got Scalia, obviously, and you've got <laughs> Richard Nixon. You've got Richard Nixon, you know? And if you want, you know, who nominated Scalia? It was Reagan, right? I think Reagan yeah. nominated Scalia. So you can put Reagan and, and Nixon, oh. two presidents in a row. Uh, well, not in a row, but you get two Republican presidents. Two Republican presidents in yeah, a row? I think so. Yeah, um, you can You can put them on your, on your 20th century villain chart, you know, at the very top, because 
Um, you know, and that's the thing is we, we still pay the price for decisions politicians made 40 years ago. Right. We're and then don't forget the, the role Reagan played with, through his uh, first lady, Nancy Reagan, with a just say no, with this idea that it's your personal responsibility to avoid the use of illegal substances. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't, a, there were no social forces at work. There were no economic forces at work. There was no policing that was inappropriate or needs that were being unmet. It all comes down to you just saying no, which is ridiculous, right? None of us live in a bubble. None of us, you know, it'd be like, say, just say no to certain kinds of foods and then you won't be obese anymore. Just say no to alcohol and you won't be an alcoholic anymore. It's that simple, Steve. Didn't you know? Yeah. Just say no to sugar and you will never have diabetes, right? This is not the way the world works. This is not the, I mean, you know, sugar is in everything. Salt is in everything. High blood pressure is in everything, right? And marijuana and the need, by the way, to relax, the need to use things like alcohol and marijuana, or I'm sorry, I'm going to say cannabis. I'm going to try to weed marijuana out of my vocabulary, but I'm not always successful, so I apologize. But, you know, pull, but to cannabis, you know, we need these things as people, most of us, right? We need ways of being a little bit outside ourselves, relaxing, you know, the same way that in the morning, many of us need caffeine. Of, of course. Right, to of get course. up and move. Caffeine's yep. a drug. If of course we, it is. Imagine if we decided, say no to caffeine, outlawed caffeine. Can you imagine that, Steve? The United States would be over. It would be end. Right. But caffeine is very useful to capitalism, right? Caffeine gets us up, out of bed. It gets us to work on time. When, when it, cocaine uh, is, is too out of reach, then caffeine, I guess, is a reasonable substitute. And order, think right? about the whole Wall Street boom of the 80s that's oh, been yeah. chronicled the movies over and the coke yep. that was being All done. cocaine, yep. Right? People and, do not have this energy naturally. They just oh, don't. Right, know? exactly. Nobody works on four hours of sleep every night and works 20 hours every day and then parties for two hours with prostitutes before they fall unconscious. And this just came out, Steve, the other day that, that it was a J.P. Morgan or Goldman Sachs, one of those of uh, Wall Street firms, people are complaining. They're still right now working 12-hour days, days. You know, 14-hour days, hour days, I think they said. 14 hours a day is like, I mean, it was, it was, some, it was like eight hours of sleep, so it was 16-hour days. Yeah, yeah. It's like 16 hours. You literally work, sleep, work, sleep. You don't even have time to do anything else. Right. And that's right now. Now, are they on caffeine or are they on something else? I don't know, man, because I couldn't work 16 hours a day every single day for a long time. I guess if you love your job, amphetamines, coke, right? There's going to be these chemicals that work there. I think so. point is that, you know, we depend on chemicals for all sorts of things. And for some reason, cannabis, they decided, no, 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 you can't do cannabis. Caffeine? Caffeine's okay. Yeah, caffeine can make you jittery and crazy and have actual like side effects that are not really good for you. Because I had too much caffeine, I feel like crap afterwards. You, know, you feel like you're like anxious and hyped up where you shouldn't be. And exhausted. Um, and yeah, ex- exhausted too, right? Um, you know, caffeine serves a purpose though. It, it definitely has a purpose when, you know, you've overslept or you need a little pick-me-up in the morning. It's fine. It does the job. It's in all sorts of products and it's relatively safe and, and, and whatever. Alcohol, Okay, nobody's going to sit and look me in the eye and tell me that alcohol is less dangerous than cannabis. Oh, I, I can't. It, 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 but, but alcohol is completely legal. Right. Okay, completely legal. Over When you're over 21, alcohol is completely legal. You don't go into an alcohol store. You don't go into a, a packy or a you know, liquor store. And you, you, you walk over there to the counter with three bottles of vodka. And they say, oh, no, 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 sorry. State yeah. laws, you only have one bottle of vodka at any time. You only possess one bottle. Right? They don't do that. We only sell this by the ounce. Yes, yes, we, we only, only sell, sell this by an ounce. Oh, and it's, and it's, it's like, like a 30% tax on it. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, the only tax, that the only excise, excise tax that's paid on alcohol is by the store owner. Okay, it pays the wholesale excise tax, I believe, when they buy from the wholesaler. You as a customer, you just pay your 7% sales tax. That's it. There's no excess tax on alcohol. And there shouldn't be. Why, why is a particular product being penalized because it's a vice? You know, um, it's, it's, it's weird to me. Now, cigarettes have a penalty tax as well. It's very severe. It's like very severe. Or, so. yeah, or more, more, yeah, it's crazy. In a past episode. And cigarettes don't really get you high, though. It's like you're addicted to a chemical. The chemical makes you feel good, like okay. Not high, all right? Because I've tried cigarettes out of curiosity before. And not impressed, you know? Especially if you've tried marijuana, uh, excuse me, cannabis. Yep. Before that, yeah, you're, you're like, like, what, what the, the heck's a cigarette, dude? Like, it, it tasted good, but that was it. Like, oh, I don't understand, understand the point. But I guess the point is that you're addicted to nicotine, and that's it. You just take it to feel good. Now you don't. So, now you feel like crap if you don't have nicotine. Right. So I can kind of understand the government having a, a hard hand on, on cigarettes because cigarettes don't really provide a lot of pleasure compared to like other drugs. And don't, don't serve as much of a function, function and they're, they're deadly because, see, when you, when you smoke cannabis, all right, you're generally not smoking enough where you're going to develop lung cancer. That's not a sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just not going to happen. Now, you can certainly get lung cancer if you smoke weed all the time. Absolutely, you can. You know, anyone that says otherwise is full of crap, right? But on the other hand, you smoke way, way, way less cannabis than you would cigarettes if you were on cigarettes. So... The fact, the fact that, that cigarettes, cigarettes are dangerous, dangerous to you. So if the government wants to have a high tax on that to kind of deter use, I get it. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, but, but but cannabis is, is, a, is a recreational drug. People do that to have fun. And I don't think anybody's saying that the high taxes proposed on legalized cannabis in the state are to deter use. It's to generate funds for the state, right? Sure. sure. That's I what mean, they, that's yeah, no one's saying we want to deter use, so we're going to raise the taxes. That's the official line, Steve. But yeah. I believe that deter, deterring use is still very much in most of the legislation that's out there. Interesting. So, and, and that's the reason I bring up alcohol uh, um, limitations, because there aren't any, right? But with these, these cannabis laws that are these bills, you're more, more familiar with them than me, the bills that I've seen limit use, they limit possession. Right. You, know? you yeah. can only have like under three ounces. Why? Why can't I only have under three, three ounces? Can anyone explain that to me? I, I haven't. Um, maybe to prevent resale, but I don't. I mean, we don't do that with cigarettes. We don't do that with we alcohol. We don't do that with alcohol, right? Like right. I said, I can go to the packy and I can buy a whole case yeah. of, of uh, Bacardi if I want, yep. right? And I, and I could resell that to my friends. You know, right. I don't know if that's legal. You gift it. You could resell it, right? Yeah, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. But with cannabis, I have a three ounce limit. Why is there a three-ounce limit? So, so for them to say, well, we're not trying to deter it, yes, you clearly are still, you're legalizing it, but sort of legalizing it. Yeah, I can see you know? that. And that's not right. And the people, our, our cannabis advocates at the State House, uh, our activists need to stand up and say, why are there limitations? You know, ask for the world, because, you know, asking for legalization should have been something we did a long time ago. It should never, ever have been illegal, okay? Well, we've been putting in this bill to do something about cannabis in the state for over a decade a long time and maybe even a decade right. before then right um only this year did we even start to take this seriously and it's only in response to covid and the sudden idea that maybe we won't have a lot of funds coming in however the same idea that we might not have a lot of funds coming in does not says oh wait we still don't want to ta increase taxes slightly on the richest one percent of rhode islanders we won't do that which we know will generate about 130 million dollars but we will legalize pot because we need the money, but we don't really need the money. I mean, so you got to think about, and all, by the way, we're 
engineering right now a huge tax break for pass-through businesses for the PPP loans that came in, which will be about $130 million. A huge hole in our budget, $130 million, and nobody's even really discussing this. They're just assuming this is going to happen. Yeah, We're going to give $130 million away to businesses, and we're going to make that up with what? Pot revenue? And we'll be basically neutral. Nothing will happen, right? Doesn't make any sense. No, I, I agree completely. And that's why I think that, you know, we need to really sit down with, with lawmakers and, 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 and get to the, let's talk about why. Because a lot of times we pass bills, we put bills at the state house, and nobody knows why. Like, why is this bill happening? What's the motivation? And you know, there is a motivation, obviously, yeah. but nobody knows what it is. And so I just want to know, what is the motivation behind the three ounce limit? What is that about? Is it because, and it's, you've got to be, it's got to be nefarious reasons, of course, right? So right. it's got to be on one hand, uh, on one hand, it could be as innocent as like, we just still want to deter it. Okay. We still want to make sure you're not having too much fun. All right. Um, <laughs> can't bring second, it home and share it with The your second friends. thing could be that obviously the dispensaries have a, uh, have a, an interest here and the state has an interest in the dispensaries because they're making revenue off those dispensaries. So they want to push you to the dispensary rather than your friend Joe down the street. All right. Well, there's, there's a number of, of problems with the dispensary model. First being that um, it's outrageously expensive. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at, uh, and this is for laymen who don't know the price of, of weed. Uh, so if you look at like Nova Farms over in Alabama, that's yeah. the closest uh, dispensary to me. Uh, I've been to the one in, um, in Providence. Uh, I'm not a medical marijuana card holder. Uh, a friend of mine was the IT guy uh, for that company. So I had to help him with some stuff uh, back in the back room there. Um, so I got to see the so got to see the facility, but Nova Farms in Attleboro uh, was when they first opened, charging like sixty eight dollars for an for an eighth. Okay, sixty eight dollars for an eighth. So uh, that's about one hundred and thirty six dollars for a quarter. And there's no discount. So if you bought like more, you didn't get a discount. You just buy it an eighth. So if you went in there and said I wanted an ounce, you literally have to buy eight eighths. Yeah, very strange. But uh, that's that's the way it is. So. Yeah, so the street value on a quarter is between 50 and 75 bucks, depending on who you get it from. You know, that's about, you know, for a quarter. So you're paying double, practically double at the dispensary, okay? And then you've got taxes on top of it. That doesn't include taxes. When I say the price, that's just the street price. Then you add on what is probably like 20% worth of taxes. And so now you're adding another 12, you know, 15 bucks to that. So it ends up being like, yeah, 80, 85 bucks for an eighth. Can I ask a question is, about that? Um, are you sure about the quality well, comparatively well, between the two? I'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. So, yeah. So, like I said, and I'm just speaking totally like off the cuff here. Like, I have no idea. I never tried weed in my life. And, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's get back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, it's so the pricing is outrageous at the dispensaries. And, and Slater Center is no different. The pricing is very high there. I've seen the pricing. You never purchased from there, but I've seen it. And recently, I thought this was funny, Nova Farms actually reduced their prices. Um, I looked at their menu the other day. They was like $57 for most of the strains, 57 instead of 68 or whatever right. it was. That's a pretty decent price drop. And I, I wonder why that is, you know, and, and I, I presume it's either got to be A, competition from another dispensary or B, competition from your street dealers. Right. But because like I said, that the street dealers are all way, way, way cheaper than the dispensary. Now, you brought up quality. It's a good point. So the dispensaries, I don't know how Slater Center works entirely, but I can tell you at Nova, uh, to my knowledge, they're not making any of their own strains, or at least the, the menu that they show, the grower is not 
listed as them for any of the strains. They have like six or seven different growers, I think, on their menu, uh, and none of them are Nova Farms. So presumably they're just, you know, wholesaling and buying it from, you know, places in California, Colorado, whatever, and then reselling it. And that's fine. Um, but quality-wise, it really depends on the grower. I've gotten uh, stuff from Nova, tried stuff from Nova Farms uh, about three months ago, and I don't remember the grower's name, but it was basically a placebo. Like, it looked and smelled like weed, but when you smoked it, you just got the effects of smoking without any of the effects of actually of huh. cannabis. And, like, I, I honestly, like, I was ready to take it back there and, and cause a scene. You know, I don't, I don't do that for anything. You know, even if I'm totally in the right, it's just not something I do. But I was so appalled by the fact that how can you call this cannabis? Like, this is garbage, absolute garbage. And I was mortified. I'm like... I'm not going to buy from here ever again. But I happen to have bought another strain while I was there from a different grower. And that was very good. Oh, okay. Very good. Now, will I say it's better than, than uh, you know, dealers I've used? No, it's not. That's the thing. Is there's, a, there's a misconception that um, you know, weed from a dispensary is like government-grade certified, you know, blah, 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 all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's made by uh, professional growers, not even in the state, you know, that sell to recreational users in California and other legalized states. But it's just, it's just growers. It's not like they don't have these government experts that are working there making sure that it's the most potent marijuana, uh, cannabis, weed, whatever you want to call it. it they're not doing that. So um, it's really it's going to have a crapshoot. And you go by you know, the strain. You know, I've used this strain before. It's good. Let me try it here. And generally, it, it's the same from one place to the next. Um, so that's kind of like the differences between your, your local dealer and you know a, a dispensary is that the dispensary usually you, you you get to pick from a number of different strains uh you know they have sativas and indicas sativas are the strain that's going to give you nice creative thoughts it's going to you know keep you awake more so uh, but also give you a little hint of paranoia you know paranoia <laughs> usually you get from the strains that are sativas yeah because uh, they make your mind wander and sometimes it's a good thing i've had some great great ideas that i came up with while on a sativa you know, because it's like it's almost like Superman for your you, you become Superman in your mind for a brief period. You can think of things you never would have thought of normally. And so when people say, you know, uh, weed only has negative connotations, that's absolutely not true. I can tell you firsthand that's not true at all. It's bullshit. Right. So, yeah, you, you have that. And then, um, you know, there's there's also uh, negative parts to to weed as well. And I think it's important to talk about this because. Cannabis advocates only talk about the positives, but there are some negatives, you know, and, and the biggest negative is that uh, it does slow you down and make you lazy for a certain period of time. That's, that's undisputable. Now, when you're younger, when you're in your 20s, okay, the effect is way less pronounced because you metabolize it a lot quicker, okay? okay? When I used it when I was in my 20s, okay, I would, you know, smoke at night, and then the next morning... You wake up and you're like, you feel groggy for like a half an hour, maybe an hour tops, you know, and you're on your way to work. And then by the time you really start your work day, you're, you're good. You're, huh. Everything's fine. You're back to normal, you know. As you get older, though, you metabolize it much slower. And so it becomes an issue where you actually have to take caffeine. You have to have a coffee in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to have, you know, if you want an energy drink or just a caffeine pill, whatever you want to do, you, you need that to kind of get your, get your brain going again because it does slow you down. So the people that try to, and again, I'm a straight shooter and people know that. So... When, when I'm going to give you the dirt about weed, it's going to be the truth. And people that say, oh, no, it doesn't slow you down. It doesn't make you lazy. It doesn't do that. That's a lie. Huh. Okay. It absolutely does make you lazy and slow your brain down for a period of time. Now, how long does that last? Well, it depends on how often you smoke. You know, 
for me, you know, I don't do it that often. So when I do, you know, I can shake it off in an hour or two and that's it. You're, it's over and then you're, you're back to normal. But for someone that smokes three times a day, you know, basically always having that baseline high, um, the recovery period is going to be much greater. I mean, you're talking like if you stopped probably two weeks before your memory would be fully back to the way it was before you ever smoked. Um, and really that motivation will probably last a, a couple of days where you just, you don't feel like you want to do much, you yeah. know, that's just, and again, you know, people that want to argue with this, you know, everyone's different, of course, everyone's yeah, of different, course. but I've talked to enough users to know that this is, this is the way it is. You know, there's entire subreddits on Reddit, um, the, the online forum Reddit that are dedicated to both people that smoke. Uh, ironically, the subreddit is called trees. Okay. So it's slash R slash trees. And there's a subreddit for people who want to quit. Huh. And it's called slash r slash leaves. Get it? <laughs> leaves. Yeah. So very, very funny. You want to even hear a funnier thing for people that are actually tree enthusiasts, you know, like oaks and elms and stuff like that. The subreddit is slash r slash marijuana enthusiasts. <laughs> All right. I guess they traded names by accident. They traded. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very funny. But if you go to it, it's a real subreddit with all people that are botanists and into trees and stuff like that. And this is the subreddit that they subscribe nice. to. Nice. It's funny to me that they have to go to the subreddit named that <sighs> to, to, re, to, to do their tree stuff. But it could be like trees actually. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> actually that, that. trees. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so getting back to my point is that if you go in the leaves subreddit, it's a lot of people talking about, you know, the, the negative connotations that come with, with smoking weed and wanting to get rid of that, you know, whether it be just, you know, memory loss, you know, you have certain amounts of things you just can't remember for. And like I said, this is all reversible. Smoking weed is not like, does not do permanent damage from my experience. And from what I've seen does not do permanent damage to your mind uh, or anything like that. You know, it, it, the longer you smoke, the longer it takes to, re to reverse it, but it can be reversed. And if you're, you're smoking, you know, once a day, half a joint or something like that, you can reverse the memory and laziness effects of, of smoking weed in three days or so or less, right. uh, just not doing it. And so, um, you know, and, and the withdrawal symptoms, in my opinion, because, you know, if I'll smoke, you know, if I do it a couple of days in a row and then I go on vacation, obviously I won't do it on vacation. And so, you know, the first day you're on vacation, you're kind of like, uh, uh, but then by the second day, you're like, oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. It's All like right. you don't care anymore. So, you know, the people that are trying to scare monger about, you know, the risks of weed and all this stuff, uh, it's, it's overblown. It's completely overblown. I mean, they have a point in the, the laziness effect, the memory loss effect, but it's all short-term stuff. It's easily reversible. And honestly, alcohol does way more damage, way more damage and, and, and permanent damage. Okay. Yeah. Like I could smoke weed three times a day for 10 years. And I am certainly no guarantee to get lung cancer at all, okay? But I'll tell you, I'm smoking, I'm drinking three sessions of drinking a day, okay? Or three shots of vodka a day, okay? For 10 years, my liver is going to be a mess, okay? A mess. And that is a permanent damage thing. But you know what? The government's like, that's cool. No problem. It's all good, you know? And so it's hard to trust your government when... They're saying that, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. This thing that no evidence shows is really that bad for you, it's bad. But this other thing that the evidence does show is bad for you, and we actually, because it's legal, have many, many, many examples of it being really bad for people and causing really bad things, that's fine. No, you can do that. And there's no limit. You can buy as much as you want. It's all good. Just enjoy. All right, let me, I want to switch gears a little bit on this because you talked about the government saying it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. In, honest, in all honesty, though, the government kind of loves it. Because it allows them to fill the jails. It allows them to give money to police officers and uh, prison guards 
and to weapons manufacturers and to the FBI and to you know all these different groups to fight this scourge of the streets, right? And so when we do this, we've when we criminalize it, we've actually turned it into an industry. And then rich, rich people own the industries that supply badges and guns and equipment and surveillance and everything else and contributes to our surveillance state, contributes to our policing state. And we do it, we target mostly minority minorities, which we know, right? It is an absolute fact that the rates of of cannabis use are similar between whites, blacks, Latinos, all races. Absolutely. But the number of people who go to jail or who are targeted by police is way higher for minorities than it is for white people. Yeah. And I have a story from when, Years ago, in the early 90s, when I owned my comic book store, I was talking to a police officer, and he literally told me that one night, he and his partner were out patrolling. They were on the east side, and they found three kids on the east side of Providence smoking pot. They pulled over. They got them all together. They drove them to their houses, went to the parents and said, I just found your kids smoking pot, and dropped them off. That same night, that exact same night, they had to go to South Providence Driving through South Providence, they see three black kids arrested, charged, put in a system, right? And he was telling me when he did that, it was as a rookie, and he questioned why this was happening. And basically, he was just told, nope, this is the way it looks, right? So same thing, same, I'm going to quote, unquote, crime happening, two different parts of Providence, completely different police response. That's the inherent racism in the system. And that's what these bills to legalize cannabis in Rhode Island are not really addressing. We're putting in lip service about helping communities and everything, but we're doing nothing to take the money that could be generated to reverse the harms that have been done to these neighborhoods, to the people, to different races in our, you know, the people who have been really unfairly victimized. People whose, we we don't even have an adequate way of getting their names out of the system. Like basically saying, you know something, cannabis isn't a crime now. It shouldn't have been a crime then. So we're going to eradicate all those crimes from your record. So now you can do things like get a better job, access housing, access government services, access medical services, access whatever. All these different things that are turned off to you when you have a conviction on your record, right? That's not an automatic process. That's something you have to go, you have to petition for, you have to do the work for, maybe get a lawyer to help you with, right? And it's not automatic for all things because if they picked you up, and you also had a six-inch knife, maybe they put you with a weapons charge as well. Right. Right? Yeah. Whereas six-inch knife is only for gutting fish or whatever. I don't know what it could be for. But, it does, but it's an extra charge. Or when the cops arrested you, they said, hey, he fought back, so he was resisting. You know, and that sits on your record too. So that might not be enough. You know, maybe that resisting looks more like assault with an officer or something. So now that guy, that's not coming out because now you're a violent cannabis user. Yep. Right? It doesn't come on. But the police would never have bothered you would never have been in your apartment or on the street or pulling you over if they thought, you know, if they didn't think they could, like, get you for pot or cannabis. So this bill is going to make a lot of money and set up a lot of white millionaires. A lot of people are going to open up their little dispensaries. They're going to be selling to people, and they're going to be making a lot of money. They'll be paying taxes to the state, and the state's going to use that money to do, to do what? Give more tax cuts to the rich? Right. To fill that $130 million hole we have when we right. give up all that taxing on the – PPP loans. I think it's important. And maybe you know this from reading the bills. Do any of the bills actually specify that the tax revenue from weed sales 
will go to something specific, whether it be education or whatnot? Or there's, no, there's, there's a general sense that some of it will be pl- placed in certain things. But here's the interesting thing about this uh, General Assembly and all laws. No matter what we say, like we set up the lottery and we say all that money is going to go to education, future legislatures are not bound by that. We can't bind future legislators. So when they say, no, we're going to take that, that uh, lottery money put it here, we're going to take that pot money put it here, there's nothing that says they have to. And they can change that in a minute. If you build up a fund, look at um, 911 calls. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That built up yep. a fund because we, we, we put a certain amount of money in that every year. Now, instead of using that money to make, make the 911 system better, Mattiello just took money out of it. Yep. Just he fund, he just stole, not stole, but he basically retook that, took that money out and said, no, we're going to use it for this instead. You steal because people were under the impression, Rhode Island uh, residents were under the impression that the 911 fund would go towards 911. Right. And he stole the money out of that coffer and put it into a different one. And what was he doing it for? Maybe he was using it to basically give a million dollars to a chiropractor. Exactly. Maybe he was using it for whatever. Yep. The problem is we can't. So when we say things like, we, so what we need is we need a law that says Rhode Island is going to put a certain amount of money every year, no matter where it comes from. It could come from marijuana, uh, cannabis sales could come from anywhere. We're going to put a certain amount of money towards restitution to the communities that have been destroyed by the war on drugs. Right, that's what we need to be talking about, and what that looks like, I'm not exactly sure, but I know there are experts out there who can talk about what that begins to look like. Yeah, and how we retail. One of them might be automatically expunging your record automatically. And New York City's doing it right. Did you read about the New York City law? It became law like two days yes, ago. Right. Uh, well, I don't know if Cuomo actually signed it yet. I think he did, but the legislators all passed it, and it's right. just I think it's even a, a it's a veto proof majority too. So even if Cuomo didn't sign it, it would become law. Right. But it automatically expunges all marijuana records to a certain extent or whatever. Right. Automatically does that. Right. And I, and I think that's what we need in Rhode Island. We need an automatic expungement. So that if you're sitting there and you have this, this so-called crime on your record, it just goes away. And I think we need to look at expunging those records of marijuana or cannabis-related crimes, the other crimes that might have gone with it. Like, oh, we got you because you had like more than four ounces. We also got you on dealing. Well, guess what? I wasn't a real dealer then. I'm not a dealer now. And even and honestly, here's the other thing. We know that when people buy drugs, they oftentimes share it with their friends. And sometimes that means I bought it for however much I spend. And then I come here and please give me some of the money to make up for what I'm sharing with you. Right. You're not a dealer. Of course not. You're sharing with your friends and they're contributing. It's like I hey, I got a, I brought home pizza. Give me five bucks, you can have some. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. how that works. It's not it's not I'm not a I'm not a pizza dealer, right? Right. Well, you buy a pay per view, you know, for a fight or something for fifty bucks on TV, and usually your friends give you ten bucks or right. whatever. Everybody you're shows not, up. You're not publicly performing the event, you know. You're not breaking copyright here, right? You know? Right. Exactly. But then again, these are casual white people crimes, right? <laughs> right. right. Coming oh, out yeah, for WrestleMania right. is right. the way to stick in the world, yep. right? Yep. And the friends come over and they all give you five, ten bucks. I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to a drive-in. I had a friend whose dad would pack as many kids into a pinto wagon as he could fit so we had like 18 kids in a pinto wagon literally stacked like cordwood in the back and we'd all have to pay and then they would work it out so you need to pay like 51 cents or something 52 cents this is what you would pay to get in and this was the way and he'd sit there in the driver's seat watch the movie we'd all set up pull the chairs off the top of the thing and then we'd just like run around to drive driving like idiots but yeah i remember that like so is that a crime? Yeah, he was committing a lot of crimes because we were not safely fastened in that stupid truck, uh, that pinto wagon. I mean, but this is this is what happened, and so that you know, imagine if that guy had that on his record. Yep. 
And that's the thing is, and this goes back to policing, and we'll, we'll talk about this in depth in a future episode, but police have way, way too much discretion on who to, who to arrest, who not to arrest, who to charge, who not to charge. And that's because it all comes down to accountability. Yeah. You know, police departments are, are nearly autonomous in terms of accountability. Like, for example, if you went to Providence Police, if you went to the, the chief there, what's his name? Dis, Dismaris? Is that the uh, is Hugh Clement is the uh, okay. Providence Police Chief, and then there's uh, Stephen Perret is the commissioner. Okay, perfect. So if you went to these guys and said, uh, do you have numbers on crimes reported versus crimes solved? They would absolutely, by, by design, not have any idea on that information. I just know that. I would be shocked if I could get that information. Shocked. It would be hard, because, to, it would be hard to get. Because it would show you a horrible, horrible re- resolution rate. Horrible. You're talking, you know, 2,000 crimes reported. Just making up numbers here. 2,000 crimes reported. You're talking maybe 5% of those crimes are solved. And I know this from talking to people because... You know, get robbed, have your car broken into in Providence, and then report it. Then then come back to us and let us know how that went. Okay. Uh, I'll say this. The, there are people out there I know in the uh, gun victimization, gun victims uh, survivor groups that know the number of the unsolved homicide of their loved one. You know, oh, what number 123. That's my daughter or my son or my friend, right? This is, this is their... Well over 100. I forget the exact number, and I wish I had it in my head, but it's yeah. like well over 100 unsolved murders in Providence right. since like 2000. And, and it's so That's embarrassing, Steve, because, and again, I don't want to touch too much on this before we switch it up to yeah. uh, minimum wage, but um, I do, and we'll I'll address this in depth because it's it's so, policing is is the problem behind so many of our society's issues, and that's why it needs to be talked about a lot. Um, but, but in this case, you know, there's no accountability. So, when you when you look at you know uh, what what crimes are charged, what are not charged, what what's resolved, what's not resolved, you know police don't prevent crime. Okay, police respond to crime after it's already happened, and so their main goal in that sense is to solve the crime. Who did this? Let's hold them accountable. And you find out that that's rarely the case. Rarely the case. But and that's their that's their job. Okay, that's literally their job. That's what they're paid to do. And some of them are paid absorbent amounts of money to do this. Yeah. There are police officers making one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. Okay, one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year to be a police officer. Okay, not deployed to Afghanistan, putting your wife on the line. No, no, no. Those guys aren't making one hundred eighty thousand. Police officer in Providence. Okay, so. There's that, but uh, we need to talk about that in a future episode. I just want to say a point about that because Hugh Clement, the chief of Providence Police, I heard him speaking once about some of the difficulty there is in solving these unsolved murders. And one of it, one of the problems is that the community doesn't necessarily trust the police to go with to them with information they have. Yep. And I think to myself, well, maybe one of the reasons they don't trust the police is because they know their lives could be ruined in a second on a thing like a marijuana charge or yep. a cannabis charge. Yep. You know, There's a huge distrust. And so maybe if we didn't have the enforcement of stupid laws like that, people would feel better about going after like actual murder and yeah. actual rape and actual real, what I would consider to be a real crime. Maybe they, maybe if the police worked for these black and brown communities the same way it works for the east side of Providence or in this nice suburb that mm-hmm. we're in now, people would be less likely to just trust the police and more likely to say, oh, I can see how policing might be a useful tool under some circumstances instead of saying abolish the police. Yeah, yeah. Right. And Steve, I just want to touch on one more thing there yeah. about the uh, the lack of, of solved crimes, you know, and again, this is way off the tangent of, of cannabis, Sorry. and I, we apologize, but um, nowadays, 
police have so many tools, technology tools available to them to solve crimes that the police of the 70s and 80s and even uh-huh. 90s did not have, okay? Police can pull cell phone records, they can pull GPS tower records, they can pull internet information, they can pull emails, they can pull all this stuff. And what has this done? What has this done? This has made police lazy, okay? Hmm. Lazy because now you don't have to actually, if you watch like the LA Confidential movie, stuff like that, you see real police work being done. Police going to places, interviewing, you know, getting information on the street and f- trying to actually solve a crime. Now it's all about pull the internet records. Let's subpoena this one, let's subpoena that one, let's get all their records and try to solve it white collar style from a desk. Right? And that's why you don't solve crime. And you don't get to the community, you don't know who people are. Right. You don't have a, a, a you don't have a relationship. That's exactly right. That's and, interesting. And, and, any, and any officer listening to this that disputes it, uh, show us the numbers. Show us the numbers. Reported crime versus solved crime. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay? That's and an I've never point. seen these numbers, yeah. and I don't need to to know what they're going to show. Interesting. Well, you know? well, 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 I'd love to hear differently. So, so, so with uh, we're trying to work on getting some of that information yeah. um, with our uprise, and, and hopefully we can. But but I doubt that that information is kept. If it is kept, good on the police. Like, yeah. like A-plus, handshake, fist bump, it the whole bit. It is hard to get information about police in Rhode Island when there's something like 38 or 37 different police forces in the state, not counting Brown police, campus police, um, right. And each department, now, Steve, each department, would you say, has the, has the ability, the autonomy to track that information yeah. if they wanted to, right? Yeah. There's no law that says you're not allowed to track it. Nope. You know, not okay. as far as I know. But now, if we go around, and I haven't done this yet, we haven't done this yet, but if we were to go around and ask, you know, like I said, crimes reported versus crimes solved, I can guarantee you that no departments either A, track that information by design, okay, because it's going to make them look bad, or B, will disclose the information because they do track it and it makes them look bad. Interesting. So um, I would be, I would love to be proved wrong. I'd love to be proved wrong. But like I said, I know enough people who've been victimized in Providence and basically given the completely given the cold shoulder by police. Like we're not even going to bother to take your report, you know, um, because it's just we're not going to solve this. And it's like I, I was a victim of a crime here. People broke into my car. They took this, 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 and you just don't care at all. Yeah. Like, don't care at all. You're not going to try and get. Oh well, you, you, tape. you know this effect. I, we we had an attempted break in at my house, and there were like literally fingerprints on the back window because the person who did it had their hands so dirty. When they pushed the window up, they left fingerprints, and they didn't take those fingerprints. Wow. They didn't look at those. Fingerprints. Wow. They drove around the block a few times. I yeah. think they actually arrested some guy. But they didn't, I mean. It was, and it's not like they're busy, Steve. We have, we have more police than ever now, uh-huh. and we have less crime than ever now. So what are they doing? But uh, it's another topic for later, and uh, I think we'll close on that as far as yeah, cannabis goes. And switch it up to minimum wage. Yeah. So minimum wage. Uh, you want me to start on minimum wage? Yeah, you can here? go can ahead. I'm, from a cool. business owner's point of view, I've been a business owner since uh, 2008, so about 13 years. No, what am I saying? Since 1998. Yikes. So that's, uh, yeah, 20, 23 years. Yeah, you're old. Long time, long time. A couple of businesses, but um, I've had employees. I've been on my own. I've been everything in between. And the bottom line is this, and I'm going to say this as as loudly as I can. If you can't pay your employees at least $15 an hour in 2021, your business model is not a business. It's an ex, as Steve says, it's an exploitation model. It's not a business model, okay? You're not a successful business. You're not, okay? You might be making profit, but you're only making profit because you underpay your people. Just because the minimum wage is 
what is it around? Eleven dollars? Ten, eleven dollars an hour. Just because the minimum wage is ten or eleven doesn't actually mean you have to pay your people ten or eleven. You could pay them fifteen or twenty or whatever. And the fact is, is that okay, fifteen dollars an hour, if you extrapolated that from back in the sixties when minimum wage was much higher versus inflation, it would be like twenty-two, twenty-three dollars an hour now. So if you're complaining about paying your people $15 an hour, you should know that based on their productivity and automation and technology that's available now that and, and, and be employees being better at their job, you should be paying them $22, $23 an hour. So if you can't afford 15 forget it. Just call it a night. Just hang it up. Close your business. Call it a night because you're taking up space that another business owner that would pay their people a proper livable wage is taking up. And... And again, I've had employees. You know, a lot of these people, Steve, you know, to argue on a business owner's point of view, a lot of lefties have never owned a business. Right. They make a lot of comments on Twitter about what they think it's like to own a business or how easy it is or how business owners should just do A or B or C and without any, you know, uh, interest in, in if it's feasible for a business owner to do that. Okay. And I push back where I can on stuff like that. You know, like, for example, a business doesn't want to serve a cake to a gay couple. Right. Okay. Now, this is a controversial opinion, but I don't care. You can fight me in the comments all you want. But a business, okay, should have a right to do that. Really? Okay. I just They should have a right to do that. And they should also have a right to get their ass kicked on Yelp, okay, and get put out of business as a result. Okay. I, I think that's true, but I do think there's a baseline of I shouldn't have to wonder when I walk into a store whether or not that person's going to treat me decently and like you know for instance i walk into a store and somebody says no we don't let like lefties in here you know go to hell get out of here i mean wedding cake sounds like something yeah i could get a wedding cake anywhere and i could go to a better place but suppose i need like aspirin band-aids medicine i don't think it's uh i i I really think that if you own a business then you're a public public facing business where anybody can walk in the door that means you serve anybody who walks in the door with the proper amount of money and you give them what they want. I think yeah. that's I think that's basic. Well, it, 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 and I, and I understand yeah, completely yeah. that there's going to be lefties who, who want to hate on me for this opinion that's all right. uh, and disagree, and I completely get it. But again, talking from a business owner's point of view, okay, and I'm not saying I agree with this. I absolutely do not agree that it's a, the right thing for a business to discriminate against yeah, a customer yeah. for any reason, for any reason, okay? But should they have the right to do that? Uh, yeah, well, if, if, if under circum- certain circumstances, for example, not serving you because you're black, right? okay, not serving you because you're, uh, you know, of a certain, you know, there's something that you can't do anything about, and, and there's another place you can go to get this service. But the problem okay? is we had that problem in the South with segregation, right? Whole towns basically divided. So, oh, there's a white diner, there's a black diner. There's a white theater, there's a black theater. And so you couldn't. And, and so you couldn't set it at a counter. We had people being arrested at counters, basically making the opposite point, saying, I have a right to be come into a Woolworths to be served uh, a freaking soda with ice cream in it. Just fucking serve me, right? Yeah. And they, people died fighting that right for that right. And the wedding cake is just a less extreme example of the same thing. Right. Right. It's, um, I don't, I, 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 I'm, I don't know. I think it's really, really important that people, I mean, here's the thing. If somebody walked, I owned a store. I owned a comic book store. I also worked for Borders for many years. So I've got 20 years of retail experience um, dealing with people who walk in. I would never have a person walk in and say, sorry, we don't serve your kind here. Of or, course. Of course not. Sorry, we're not gonna, I'm not going to sell you 
this comic book or this book because you're whatever. And I can't even imagine a world where that would be allowed. Like if I had an all-white comic book store, only sell to white people. I think, you know, it's not so much that I wouldn't have been in business. It's that I wouldn't be a decent human being or a part of a real community. I would just be... I would, and I don't think it would be should be made legal for me to do that. All true, You're absolutely right. Yeah, and that's right. And I need to point this out again to our listeners is that what I'm what I'm saying is is just taking a point of view that some business owners have and trying to articulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't agree at all that a gay couple should go into a cake store and be told go pound sand. Yeah, right. right? I don't agree with that at all. But but I have to say, and again, this is me, you know, taking a, a common sense position as a business owner that. What if, okay, what if you and I, I know, I know you, Steve, okay, yeah. and we get into a huge fight, and it ends up being where you hate me, okay? Now, you probably don't hate a whole lot of people. I know no, you well enough really to know you're not a hateful people. person. But let's pretend you are, yeah. and you hate me. You want nothing to do with me. Like, like you see me, you want to kick my ass, all right? <laughs> okay. I go into your store, and I want to buy, you know, whatever like that, you know, and, and, and buy something that, you know, you got to put some effort in to make or whatever, like things like that. Now, shouldn't you have the right to be like, dude, I hate you. Get lost. Don't come to my store. Yeah. I don't want to serve you. But that would be a per- that would be because I have a personal relationship with you and I don't want to be harassed by you in some way. Right. That might be. And, and, and that would be different if it was a person to person thing. <laughs> I mean, the reason we disagreed is because we got into a big fight over whatever, and now I hate you. That's fine, because that could be a possibility. I mean, I can see a situation where I own a store, uh, a cake shop, and my ex-wife comes in to order a cake for me for her new wedding. Right. Right, to her more gorgeous, richer, happier boyfriend. Right. And I might go, well, F you, right? And I might personally take a front. Right. But I'm not basically saying that as a group of people, right? I'm not doing this because... She's a lesbian now. No, I understand that. But yeah. my, my argument is for purposes of the law, yeah. okay, if the law says you have to serve everybody, that means that you can't not serve somebody. For right. whatever reason, you just can't not serve them. And that, I think, gives the state way too much control over a business. You know, I like to say, for example, I'm a website designer, okay? And occasionally I get uh, website design pitches. People want me to design a web for them. For them. Yeah. And the organization is really right-wing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, I I don't have any problem with taking money from a right winger if they're going to put a, a business website up. Right, I have right, a right. lot of right wing clients, and they they make it known to me. I don't talk politics with my clients, but yeah. Trump people always make it known that they support Trump. I don't know why they just do, and I have no problem with doing business with them because their business is not political. You yeah. know, whether they sell, you know, um, one of my customers sells uh, ball bearings. Yeah. Uh, one of my customers sells memorial cards. You know, there's a lot of customers that do all sorts of different things. And if they're right wing, okay, cool, whatever. I'm not helping promote right wing politics by taking your money and designing a website for you. But there are ones that want me to design clearly right wing websites. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In fact, uh, DePietro reached out to me a couple of years ago to redesign the website for the radio station that he's on, WNRI or whatever it oh, was. Oh, interesting. Okay. And the thing is, I don't tell people, no, no, I'm not going to design a website for you because you're a white winger or whatever like that. I just uh, increase the price. Okay. Because I don't want to, if it's a website I do not want to design, okay, it's not really good business sense to just say, like, no, screw you, you know. So I just say, okay, for me to do this, for me to like lower my values here and do this for you, it's going to cost you some number that I know they're not going to agree to. Okay. And that's how I decline business. 
Okay. Now, if it's another situation where they just have a dumb idea and it's not political, I'll tell them straight out, like, I'm not going to do this because it's not a good idea and I'm going to save you your effort and here's why. That's different. I'm yep. honest. If I if I need to be honest, I'm totally honest about it. But with right, <laughs> with right, and this is happens like once every two years, you get an inquiry like, I want to design a site that talks about, this is really true. I want to design a site that talks about, you know, guns and how guns are safe and you should have more guns and gun. I'm not going to design that. Like, yeah. I'm totally against that. I'm not going to help you promote that. It's just not going to work. Interesting. But I don't want to be like, no, because, you know, righties can be really reactionary and go on Yelp and Google and write, like, you know, all these stories about how I'm a terrible web designer. Even though we never did business together, right. I'm a terrible web designer because I wouldn't design your pro-gun, crazy, nut job site. So it's just easier to do that. Although I can so, see that in another state. It's like somebody comes in, a couple comes in, they want a wedding cake, and they say, you know, I can't do a wedding cake for you because I just don't see you will at this wedding lasting. You guys are obviously not made for each other, right? You know, I mean, maybe <laughs> this is, you know, oh, no, no, this is, you're, you're getting married? No, this is great. Obviously, you know, look, you're totally different people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I don't know if that's. But, so. but my point is, the, yeah. I want you guys to see the nuances of the fact that ex- having a law that says you have to accept all business yeah. can be problematic. I can see and, that. And having a law, I agree that having a law that says you can exempt certain types of people can be problematic as well because like i said if you're a cake shop okay you can get a cake de- you can get a cake designed anywhere you can go to the supermarket you can go to right. millions of places of province that can have a cake design cakes are not like monopolistic in right this, in but, this I sense. Think, but again I, isn't there a difference between like your political affiliation and your sexual orientation well yeah of course there's a difference you know and i and, I, and like you know there's choices you make to be a trumper right and there's it's not like I'm born a Trumper. Right, right. Right. I'm not born a liberal. I'm not born a conservative. I'm just born and I'm born white and I'm born like a man. I'm born cis or whatever. You know, all these yep. different things. Yep. This is me. Um, but, you know, and there might be social issues and whatever, but whatever it makes me me, that's me. But like then if someone says, I'm not going to put a swastika on your cake because that's a politically offensive idea, right? Then that's a different thing from saying, oh, wait a minute, you are engaging in a perfectly legal act of getting married to each other, and I sell cakes for people who are getting married, right? There are religious exemptions even for priests and ministers who don't want to do gay weddings. You can't just force a priest in a Catholic church to say, open up your church, we're having a gay wedding in your cathedral. You know, there are exceptions for that because of the religious exceptions and stuff, right? Yeah. There are limits to how far you can push this, but... And so I'm not really sure, you know, I can see the slippery slope here. But at the same time, I really think that if you open a place for business, like you have a shop that sells freaking wedding cakes and somebody wants you to put, you know, Mary and Beth on the same cake getting yep. married, put Mary and Beth. That's your job. You don't have to yeah. love it. You just do your best job because, you know, and honestly, uh, it's, yeah, you're right. Getting your ass kicked for not doing it makes sense somewhat, but political and economic power in some communities don't make that a real feasible idea. There are communities, even Rhode Island, where being a gay couple might be a more difficult life. For sure. Oh, you yeah. know, than sure. it is in Providence on the east side. In the east side, you know, it's not even worth noticing anymore. Yeah. Right? Yep. But um, but you go out into, I'm not going to say any names like Coventry or Barville or whatever, but you, know, <laughs> you get out into some other, some other red or yeah. districts and it could be more problematic. Right. You know, or right. a little bit tougher. Or you get the looks or the comments or the... The attempts at shaming. How did we even get on this topic? Because this is not actually the topic. Minimum wage is the Minimum topic. Wage. But somehow we got on to serving people. And I guess the point we're yeah. trying to make is that, you know, 
for the state to require businesses to serve everyone is, I guess, a slippery slope. Um, Maybe. And again, I am totally uh, in favor of uh, businesses serving everyone that comes in the door for not only whether it's legal or not, because it's good business sense. Like these businesses that discriminate against gay couples or whatever, it's just a stupid idea. Like, like keep your thoughts to yourself. Like, you know, like, like, like I said with me, like, I don't want to upset people and everything. So if it's a website you want me to design and I'm just not, I don't, would not want to design it. The state cannot tell me like, Greg, you're obligated to design this website. Right. First of all, that's bad because you know I'm going to design a crappy website because I don't want to do this, all right? But on the other stake, it's, 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 I think that business owners still should have certain private rights to, to operate their business in a certain way. Yeah. And like I said, we have – if this was the 50s or 60s, Steve, or 70s or 80s, whatever, then I get that. There's really limited recourse that a people have to address issues like a gay uh, – an anti-gay cake shop not making wedding cakes. Because right. you can go to the press – but that's it, right. you know? You can't really ruin that business. Now, though, if you've got Joe Schmo's Cake Shop in Providence is not serving oh, gay couples cakes, right. okay, that their Yelp reviews are going to be brigaded to no end, and that, that place is going to close up in a week. Yeah. So I think that 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 the uh, the, the free market, as Reddy's like to say, will take care of that problem very fast. In some I just, places, I think it might. But in other places, I don't think it's the case. You well, know, looking at national stories. Indiana, you know, like... Rural Indiana cake shop forced that person to make a gay cake. It's just not or gay themed wedding cake. It's going to be different world. Perhaps, maybe. I mean, right now that's that straw man stuff though. Until we it see is. that, because well, nationally, I'm country. Nationally, though, Steve, if you look, and again, we're, we're going to get off this topic in one sec. I promise. Maybe but, this is our topic. But, now. <laughs> this is our topic now. Yeah, yeah we changed it. Yeah. Wasn't even in the poll. We just lied to everybody. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. No, but I mean, just I lost my train of thought. But Sorry. you know, the, the the bottom line is is that um, you know it's a slippery slope for the government to dictate you know who a business can serve and not serve. But there's also instances like Steve brought up in you know areas where there aren't another provider. There isn't another provider. You're like, this is the cake shop or this is the whatever automobile dealer or whatever it is. And then they're not going to serve you. Then that's not right. And the government has to step in yeah. in those instances and say, no, no, no. You have to serve everybody because you're the only one that exists. You know, so it's so it, nobody has all the answers to something like yeah. that. But like National Grid has a policy we don't connect to gay households. Right, right. I mean, that's that's well, that's different because it's a critical lifeline. You yeah. know, that's that's something where if you're providing a critical lifeline and you're an actual de facto monopoly, right. then you have to serve everybody. But you we shut have people out there saying that we do not want to. Well, our hospital, my doctor, won't serve you because you're gay or because you're uh, you want a certain type of like pill that might abort your baby or, yeah. you know, or whatever else. And that's problematic because, again, it's a situation where it's a life or death thing, yeah. okay, and the doctor is charged with what, the Hippocratic Oath, literally. Right. You're charged with, with with doing no harm and serving everybody that walks in that door. You're not discriminating whether the color they are or whatever. We know what happens. We know it happens clearly that colored people are discriminated against yeah. in a hospital setting. And I've asked my wife, works at a hospital, I've asked her, is this going on? She says, I see examples of this all the time. It's just you can't avoid it. And it happens. And it's just one of those things. But and it's everywhere. It's yeah. just people have that, that I don't like to say racism. I like to call it, you know, uh, 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 implicit bias. You know, okay, yeah. you're not trying to be racist. It's just that you've been programmed for so long that you just react in a certain way automatically. I see it all the time at the state house. But, you know, it is interesting because just to bring it to minimum wage, this is where it's important for the government to set the floor for certain things. And I and one of the things I think about minimum wage is this. Let's say that you own a diner. And across the street, there's another diner. And you guys compete for the money, right? You're, 
pretty equal mm-hmm. on everything. And so really it's just pricing that really determines and you know that. So you really want to pay your wait staff and your cooks $25 an hour because you want to make sure they have a living wage and you can take care of their families. The other side doesn't really care. And so he's paying his, the, the lowest amount of money he, he can. And so as you're competing, you're getting hit economically with this thing you want to do. But if the state steps in and says, all right, here's the floor. You both have to pay at least $15. Now I can raise my people's wages and he has to raise his wages as well. And now we're competing on an equal footing. Whereas if it's just, there's no minimum wage. Imagine a world with no minimum wage and you could just like start cutting salaries down to who's ever desperate enough to work for $2 or $1 an hour. Is that called China? It could be, right? There's a lot of places. I mean, I think it's Somalia maybe, right? I mean, that's why all our factories and all our stuff comes from China because they don't have to pay them anything. Right. So we're paying, so that, well, exactly right. So we, we, we export jobs, right? And so when we set the floor wages, we make it easier to compete and we make it easier for a person with a good heart to do what they want to do. If you're in business and you really want to do the right thing, oftentimes the, competi- the competition makes it impossible to do the right thing because you'll just go out of business, right? That diner will not survive paying more when the other person isn't. It just isn't going to happen. And you, know, and you know, like you could say, well, maybe I put out an ad that says, hey, I'm the diner dude who pays more. Yeah. My employees more. And maybe that gets people to go in and say, yeah, it's worth paying an extra buck for my pancakes every morning to make sure that my nice, happy server can bring money home to their children right? right and you think that's great but a lot of people will also say oh i don't have that extra buck i'm going across the street right and so it changes things and one of the reasons they might not have that extra buck is because their employer also pays them sub minimum you know you're, 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 steve you're, you're explaining the walmart model the yeah. walmart model is exactly what you just described walmart underpays its people yep okay which then have to shop at walmart right because Walmart has has stomped over and shut down all of the independent small stores that used to sell the stuff that Walmart sells, okay, over the 70s, Absolutely. 80s, 90s, and well before that. Benny's. Yeah, Benny's, exactly. They've shut, you know, Ames. They've shut right. all these stores down and replaced them with their garbage stores that yep. pay, uh, you know, really low wages. And uh, most of their most of their employees are subsidized by the taxpayers, by right. us, um, via welfare, because the company makes tons of money, right. but just uh, through the government has no obligation to pay them more than the minimum, mm-hmm. and they don't. And so it's a it's a vicious cycle that doesn't end. Right. And and you're right, Steve, that there are stores out there like look at Costco, you know that that make a point of like we're going to pay our people a living wage. Yes. Okay, we're going to give them good benefits. We're going to let it known publicly that this is what we do. Okay. The problem is this, there's only so many jobs there. Right. So, you know, even if you're you're advertising, you know, we're paying $25 an hour and we're doing this and we're doing that, you should shop with us, okay? Um, they still only have a limited number of jobs, so not everyone can go there. So people that are for the free market that argue, well, if one employer is paying more than this guy, well, then obviously the market's going to see that, the employee's going to see it, and they're going to all work for this guy. Well, they can't all work right. for this guy because this guy only has 10 positions. So if there's only 10 positions at his store and the other stores are paying crap, guess what? Most of the people are going to have to take a job at the store paying crap. Right. And so that's why minimum wages are important. Yes. You know? we, we have another thing in the government level. I hear like uh, legislators and former Governor Gina Raimondo alluded to this point once. We're going to have job training so that people who are in these low-wage jobs can get the training they need to get higher-wage jobs. And I'm like, that's great, but what about the people who then have to move into their lower-wage jobs? I just left the diner, and now I'm working at a factory doing better, much better job, getting paid much better, but the diner is going to hire another person. And are you telling me that we're just going to suck all the 
workers out of all the diners and there's not going to be any more diner workers. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? And, and that's, and it's not good. That doesn't trickle down, right? Those jobs still need to be done. Those jobs still need to be done and we need to be, so job training doesn't really get us there. Like what we need to do is we need to say that all work has value and that all workers have needs that need to be met. And unless we want the government to subsidize the entire everybody and give them the money they need for food and homes and everything else. And then we have to make sure that the businesses are doing so. Yeah. And, and one of the, the funny things that businesses always raise, especially on the national level, uh, is that you don't hear this so much on the local level because the local businesses, I think, understand that they could pay their people $15 an hour. And then they do. And it's not a big deal. But nationally, you always hear about how if we raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and it's always conservatives that say this, like they actually give a crap about people having their job. Yeah. Oh, we're going to lose all these jobs. If we right. raise the minimum to this is the biggest right wing argument is that if we raise the minimum, all these jobs are going to be cut. All right. Well, first of all, um, if the jobs are going to be cut uh, with the minimum wage being $15 an hour, what on earth are you paying them now? Where a raise to $15 is going to literally eliminate their job. And what are you paying them now? $7 an hour? Right. I mean, if you're paying them 11 12 bucks an hour, a raise to 15 is not a huge deal. It really isn't. And again, you're getting productivity that's worth $22, $23 an hour at, at least. least. And you're only paying 15 for it, so you're still getting a discount. And if you still can't make money on that setup, quit. Right. Throw it in. It's Worker over. productivity over the past decades has also gone up. If yeah. we factor in worker productivity, not just like inflation. If you if you think that, and people like use the McDonald's and Burger King workers as like the lowest rung of the totem pole, yeah. like, and are you not. kidding me? Uh, at least people do a job. And granted, not all of them do a good job. I mean, I've gotten fast food many, many times, and my order's been wrong, okay? Many, many times. Sure. So... But the fact is, who knows why that is? Whether the training is bad, whether the employer is just a, a terrible employer and makes his people feel like crap, you have it's, no idea. It's always the manager's fault, by the way. You know? And I mean, having been a manager for all my life, I'll tell you this. If you go to a fast food restaurant and you get bad service or bad food, it's not the worker's fault. It's the manager's fault because they did not do an adequate job training, staffing, um, holding accountable, and paying their employees properly to get the best job possible, right? Yeah, and, and the fact is that people mess up jobs all the time that are much more important than fast food. So you get your wrong fast food order and you go, oh, these people, they don't deserve $15 an hour. They're idiots. Oh, they only deserve $7. Okay, well, listen, I had painters come to my house this past week, all right, and the owner told me that they get paid $25 an hour, which is great. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, did they make mistakes? Yes. Yes, they did make mistakes. You know, they did mess up some stuff. They had to go back over and everything like that. So the fact is that, you know, people mess up all the time. I mean, look at look at Wall Street. These people are paid like literally tens of millions of dollars a year and they screw up big time. Look, look at about the, the doctor Viacom. who amputates the wrong leg or, right, right, or, or removes or, the wrong kidney. Oh, yeah. Oh, happens yeah. and, all the and, time. And my wife, work, again, works at a hospital, tells me about this stuff where she hears it from other hospitals yep. or some incident happens at her hospital where they mess up, they swap a patient's record. And it's like, right. grantfully, th granted, this this happens very rarely, very rarely. But it's happened. But it's happened. It happens. And it's like, whoa, that, that could be like, and they catch it. But still, it's like, wow, if that wasn't caught, that could be a real big problem. You could Imagine, mess up right. meds. You could do all sorts of things. Right. And these people are paid like lots of money. So the fact is, is that, you know, people make mistakes. People are human. They make mistakes. Right. And to say that fast food workers don't do anything and not worth $15 an hour is BS. They and work for, harder than anybody. Like the people who work the hardest, you know, um, hotel workers, fast food workers, uh, restaurant workers in general, 
You know, think about this. Every time you go out on a Friday night and you go to a restaurant, even a nice restaurant, and those people working, those are the people who don't get to go out on a Friday night ever. Yeah. yeah. I, all through college, I worked at restaurants, and I worked every Friday and Saturday night forever. Every Friday and Saturday night, and sometimes every Sunday night as well. Yep. Right? So that's the person who basically goes to the 12 o'clock movie on a Saturday, Friday, because they're not going to see that movie over the weekend, because they're going to be working nonstop the whole yep. time. Yep. Because that's when the restaurants work. Those people do not get to appreciate the nightlife in Providence. They don't get to go out to Waterfire and walk around. They don't go to movie openings at, you know, with a big crowd all cheering. They, get to, they, go to, they give up all that for a very little, a much smaller slice of the pie so that they can serve you. Right, they're the yeah. ticket takers at your theater. They're the. I was one of them. I was surf- in my teens. I worked at Apple Valley Cinema. I was, uh, you know, and not only is it nights and weekends, but it's if you're a movie theater, it's holidays too. Right. I worked Christmas. I worked right. Thanksgiving. And granted, when you're you're you know teen, when you're 16, 15, 16, you can't go out to clubs yet, uh, so you're not missing out as much. But the fact is, is that I would have liked to hang out with my friends, and right. instead, I'm doing this. So it's not just the low pay. It's not just the grind of the job. But it's also you're being taken away from your life right. at peak parts of the week where you'd like to be out hanging, having a good time. Yep. And so people need to realize that, like, it's not just the pay. It's there's other sacrifice involved with these jobs. And to say, like, a burger flipper, well, my, my whole point of this was that the McDonald's and Burger King advocates, the apologists for the fast food restaurants, like to say, well, if you raise the minimum to $15 an hour, McDonald's is just going to get automated burger flippers. As <laughs> yeah. if that's all they do is flip a burger. Right. Like, are you kidding me? First of all, all right. So good luck getting the voice recognition to work when I give you my order, okay? Because Bank of America still hasn't figured that out, and they've been doing it for like 20 years, okay? Uh, So there's that. is the person taking the order, okay? There's the money process, okay? Having to fill basically an ATM machine with all sorts of change and everything, like all nonstop all day long, uh, or put enough in it at the beginning where it's had enough but also might get robbed, so you have that to worry about. Then you've got the actual mechanics of doing the food, okay, loading fries up, loading burgers up, doing all this stuff, okay? I saw a prototype of exactly that, an electronic automated burger flipper. It looks like a robot from a from an automobile factory, yep. okay? And, you know, I've seen this advertised heavily over the past, you know, year or so. Uh, guess what I don't see is this machine at any fast food restaurants. I because wonder- it's probably not very accurate. It's not as accurate as a human. Replacing a human with a machine is not as easy as they make it out to be. And, and Elon so- Musk, right. sorry, Steve, okay. Elon Musk proved this with Tesla, okay? Elon Musk wanted to basically automate the entire process. Not so much to eliminate labor, but to make sure the process was perfect. Yeah. So if a machine is doing something, theoretically, it should be come out the same way every time. And that's what his goal was. He realized quickly when they were manufacturing the very popular Model 3 that... That doesn't work. You need human beings. So there's certain things that a robot just cannot do. And so they scrap the robots and put humans back on certain functions because the humans are just doing it better than robots. And this guy has unlimited money. So he could buy the best robotics or have created the best robotic system that exists, and they still went back to humans. And the other thing is, if we replace all these workers with robots, who is going to be spending money at your store? Right, I mean, let, think about this for a minute. If I can go into a Cumberland Farms and it's all automated, if I can go into a McDonald's and it's all automated, and there's only there's nobody there except the guy who comes in to wash the machines once a night, and even that eventually gets replaced with a robot, where's a whole underclass of people now who have no money, who are, have no jobs, and how do they go and access this? And are you really telling me that it's 
when you wipe out the lower class, then it's the middle class is going to support that to the extent they do. Because guess what? Those jobs are going too. You know, accountants very soon will not be needed anymore because all that money stuff will just go into an automatic program that just spits out. I mean, there's nothing an accountant does that can't be tracked through finances and just be automatically done for you. Here's your tax bill, Steve. And it's accurate because we took all the money coming in, all the money going out. We know what everything was, and here it is, right? Yeah, that could absolutely be done. And and the reason that's not done is, number one, okay, who are CPAs? Who are CPAs? What right. color are CPAs? Oh, I know. They're okay. rich and white. Rich, white, and older. Yep. Okay? So that's your CPA. Now, now, if you look back at history, you'll see that the, the CPA industry is specifically uh, into it, the quick and quick uh, TurboTax people, okay, have specifically lobbied to make the tax code uh, as as difficult to understand for a layman as it is, and to prevent automated yeah. uh, or free solutions to doing your taxes. Because the IRS, I believe, in the past has proposed this. Like, yeah. hey, why don't we just, like, automate this so people don't have to file their taxes? They just know what they owe, right. and there everything is. is fine. You know? And there it is. There it is. Right. And and the TurboTax people and other people in the industry, the CPA, I don't know if there's an, an actual industry for CPAs, I'm sure there oh, is, sure there have lobbied for, against this because their jobs would go away. Now, granted, if we can we can improve something and that eliminates jobs, then, okay, sorry, we're improving it. Okay, we're making it better. We, we shouldn't keep jobs around just for the sake of keeping jobs. Those people should be retrained in something different or better and make themselves useful at something that, we, that robots can't do. Beyond that, there are tons of things that lawyers do that computers could do divorces, right? That's a very norm, an easy, no fault divorce could just be automated. Sure, sure. Um, certain contracts, land deeds, house sales, this stuff could all be automated, right? You could reduce the amount of things that a lawyer has to do to basically um, defending people. That's all they can do right? against the state or like basically prosecuting lawsuits on more technical things. But many, many, many things that a lawyer does, <clears throat> automated. Many, many things that a police officer does. Automated. Many, many things that we do in a society can be automated much more easily. You know, and then when and if we come up with that perfect iRobot robot who can walk over and like they send four robots here to paint your room perfectly every time and it's never a problem, right? Cool. We got that guy. But then we don't we have what? A whole bunch of unemployed painters, a whole yeah. bunch of unemployed people, older, right. younger, all different things. House cleaners. We come up with a way that they can clean your house or clean your hotel room. Uh, Roomba's not doing such a good job with that. Roomba's so not doing good, but like put a little bit more AI on that, and maybe he does better, right? I don't know, but that's the thing. Imagine if you if you went to a hotel and they said, I hope the room's clean. The guy says, yeah, we, we threw a Roomba in there. You're like, um, thanks. I think there's another hotel across the street. I'll be yeah. going there, right? Yeah. That's not the way. So, yeah, the robot thing is such a bullshit concept, and it's played even now. Even now, I hear it at the state house. People saying, "Well, we're going to be investing in more automation." Guess what? We're investing in automation anyway. Yeah, we're going yeah. to make that robot. Do people actually think that the minimum wage is what controls whether businesses are going to invest in automation? If they can get rid of people, a lot of especially big businesses will do it in a heartbeat. They don't give a crap about you. Right. They just don't. They don't care. Absolutely like right. when I see people like, "Oh, I work at Amazon," or "I work at Bank of America," and it's good here, and or even UPS, you know, I love it here, blah blah. blah and you're in a union at UPS, so you have more protection. But you think UPS cares about you? Not at all. If UPS could find a way to use drones oh, yeah. and to replace their people, they would do it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, well, as soon as heartbeat. those as soon as those uh, trucks are able to drive on their own, and then they can spit a package out onto your <laughs> onto a driveway. Yeah. that's what they'll just pull up, plop. Oh yeah, pull up, splop. Oh and yeah, be done. Being, being loyal to big companies makes no sense. Imagine me. if someone said, 
I'm sick of paying performers to come into my bar and sing. Thomas Edison, could you invent a phonograph? And he's like, huh, I never thought of that before. I should solve this problem for you. That way you don't have to pay performers anymore. You can just pay a, play a photograph. I'll be done. I'm getting on that, right? That's not how innovation works. That's not how we think. We're not thinking, oh, here, we're thinking, can you come up with a self-cleaning toilet? I think I'm going to invent that because that sounds great if I could do that, right? You're not thinking, can you come up with a self-cleaning toilet because I'm sick of play, paying someone to clean my toilet? Right, that's not right. the way that logic works. Right, you're coming up with conveniences and ideas because not because you don't want to pay people necessarily, but because people are always thinking about this stuff. There are geniuses out there right now working on stuff that we won't believe in the next thirty years. It's going to be crazy, right? I'll be ninety years old and maybe I'll have that robot made like the Jetsons. But you know, until then, I still have to clean the house my house. Right, I still have to do that, and we need to be thinking what we want to robotize everything. We don't want to pay people. We need to really figure that out, right? People need to be given the money. They need to buy the services or else there's no reason to make robots to do those services. Right, right. It, it seems like, and the economy is, 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 I think it's very fragile right now because you've got three, with after COVID-19, you've got three, in my opinion, three tiers. And I haven't looked this up, but just talking to people and seeing how the market and the economy has, has functioned, uh, it seems like there's three tiers. You've got your 1%. Okay, these are the rich people that COVID really didn't affect them much at all. No. They still travel they the world. They have multiple homes in multiple countries, and they don't give a crap at all. They're doing their own thing. COVID was just a minor inconvenience to them, okay? Then you've got the top 10%, okay, which I admittedly will fall under that, okay? The top 10%, all right, uh, like the 1%, uh, did really well under mm -hmm. COVID, either made money or really didn't affect them whatsoever. I mean, in terms of me, it definitely affected me because I didn't travel anywhere. Right, I really right. didn't leave my house. I went to, you know, the gym, to the grocery store, places like that, but we didn't travel. I don't want to be on a plane. You know, I just don't trust it. It's just not one of those things. But overall, uh, COVID did not hurt me, okay? I'm still spending money. I'm still buying services and things. I'm having, you know, had painters come in. You know, I'm buying things that under a normal economy, most people would still do, right? Then you've got the bottom 75, you know, 70 to 75% of people, okay, who really got racked for, yes. during COVID. They either lost their job or uh, lost their hours or pay was reduced or still don't have a job or just a situation that's really, house, really bad. Their apartment. Yes, exactly. Right. And for these people, they're not, they're not spending money on services. They can barely scrape by buying food, exactly. you know? And so it's, it's really concerning to me that this huge chunk of people, giant chunk of people, uh, the economy, like when you hear economists talk about the economy, you hear, oh, the economy's roaring back and people are buying stuff. And like they said, plane occupancy now or hotel booking occupancy is now reaching pre-pandemic levels already. Okay. Well, I can tell you this. The money ain't coming from that the bottom 70%. No, it it's right. definitely not. And it never really has, right? Because when I travel, I mean, I'm the, I've been admittedly not rich, but when I travel, we stay in roadside hotels, motels, that kind of stuff, right? And they're nice. They're fine. And they're small. And all I really need to do is sleep. But I'm not staying in whatever passes for the luxury hotels when I go to upstate New York to visit right. my son or something, right? I'm not staying there. I'm staying in the cheaper hotels. Right. right. And so... I've never been a those big hotels that we're building in downtown Providence have never been marketed towards people like me or people in the bottom fifty percent, bottom seventy percent. It's really for the top thirty percent. And they want and business customers. They want business customers Absolutely. from from out of state, which which I guess in a way is nice because it brings out of state money in. But still, they're not making these hotels for the people. And it seems like the people in power, the people pulling the levers, Steve. I think this is probably what you're trying to get at is that they're catering to that 
10 percent and up yeah top 10 percent and up they're catering to people like me to the to the ultra rich people who just it just just their life is just not affected by things they just have money and when you have money uh listen guys as someone that in their life has grown up with no money then got a lot of money really fast and then went back to no money again and then got money again i, I know what it's like from both ends of the spectrum you know when i comment on twitter about people racking on rich people or racking on poor people i can comment from both perspectives i know what it's like um you know and so and it's important that you understand it's it's hard to know what it's like to have money without having money because when you don't have money when i don't have money i remember like i had a very angry sentiment towards rich people you know i figured that they were the cause of all the problems in the world and everything like that then when you get money you realize well I have money. Some people might call me rich, but I didn't. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm not exploiting people. I haven't. I'm not even a landlord. Like I don't. I don't make any money that I haven't earned. Yet there's a segment of the population that hates me because I have money. And I think it's important to step in there and say, wait a second, okay? Not everyone that has money is a bad person, okay? They're granted having money gives you a lot of motivation to be a bad person, but it doesn't mean that that all people that have money are. You know, look at um. I think his name is what, Dan Price. Uh, he owns a payment processor out of Seattle. Uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, you can find him. His name, his name is Dan Price. His username is probably similar to that. But he decided a number of years ago, and again, it's a payment processor. So basically, when you accept Visa MasterCard as a business, you use a payment processor to handle that, that intermediary for you. Uh, he runs a company that does that. And it's a low margin business. You basically do a high amount of volume. You get like a tiny percentage, like 0.01% or something like that, 0.1% from all the sales your clients do. So if your clients do millions of dollars in sales, you can make some good money. But if they're not, then it's kind of, you know, low margin. Needless to say, he decided uh, a couple of years ago to raise all of his employees' salaries to at least $75,000 a year and give them all sorts of benefits and said, I'm just going to do this. Now, whether they're worth 75 or not, I don't care. I'm just, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, he wanted to do it as an experiment to see what would happen. And what turns out is like the story that he did this went viral and, you know, it's many years later now, and his business is killing it. He's doing great business. It's almost like that's his brand now. People know this guy, you know, whether, whatever, regardless of what rate he charges you, he's paying his people good money. He's a good person. He's not exploiting. And so you kind of want to do business with people like that, you know? Like, I wish there was a Costco around here because I'd rather go there than BJ's because I know they're paying their people more than BJ's is paying their people. And I've made the argument in the past that Rhode Island, if we truly wanted to, could pass laws and change our economic system such that we treat all Rhode Islanders that way and make this a place that people want to go to because we have excellent services. We have no lead pipes. We have, you know, clean air, clean farms, clean, you know, ground, you know, soil. If we made those investments, people, young families would want to come here and start their business. Yeah. Right, yeah. they, they would look at all the other things. Even if our taxes were a little higher, they'd say, holy shit, though, just look at the schools. Oh, my God, it's like living in Futurama, right? This is this place is great. And we're not, like, <clears throat> redlining people into, like, into slums, and we're not treating people badly, we're, and our coastlines look pretty, and all this other stuff. We could change this way. Then people would want to do business in Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. We'd be at the bottom of all the economic ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? All these <laughs> big groups and like Forbes would say, oh, Rhode Island's terrible for business, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yet, within 10 years, we would be killing it because the people who would want to live here are going to turn this into even more of a utopia. It's a positive cycle. Yeah. No yeah. longer are we going down a drain. Now we're building up. 
it could be a really beautiful thing. Oh yeah, and I mean, you know, people like to point, conservatives like to point to California and say, like, look at that. Well, first yeah. of all, two things. Number one, California is not the liberal utopia that people make it out to be. It's very evenly split. In fact, yeah. um, you know, the people in the hills, you know, upstate uh, California, are quite conservative. Yes. Quite conservative. Okay. And even look at San Francisco. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is out of San Francisco. She's she's no progressive. She's not progressive at all, but she's in like literally like the most progressive city mm-hmm. in like the country. She's the representative. She is. Okay. Yeah. You believe that? But that's the truth. So, you know, people talk about California, but but um, you know, California is doing really well. California is one of the largest, largest economies economy in the world. Yeah, yeah. Eight. It's it's a larger economy than than almost all countries, pretty right. much. Almost eight, all eight countries. It's the largest economy in the world. That's yep. for country rankings as well. Eight, yep. yep. Right? And so that's part of America, so that's why America's so high. And when you look at it and say, well, you know, that's because it's the largest, you know, state in terms of population. Well, what about Texas? What about New York? Right. I mean, they're not even close to what California's doing because they decided they wanted to have conservative policies. You know, and New York's making strides now. Now that New York finally has a supermajority of Democrats. Now, we know Democrat does not equal necessarily progressive, right. but they have enough of them now, and, and enough of them are progressive, that they're passing laws that make a huge difference on people. Uh, cannabis is now legal, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they just outlawed, Rhode Island hasn't done this yet, they've just outlawed solitary confinement past 15 days. That's big, okay? And we're going to have a, a big discussion on solitary confinement, I think, in a future episode, because okay, solitary should- confinement is the the biggest form of torture someone could possibly endure. Okay, and, forget and ripping your fingernails off. Right, right now like in that. Rhode Island, there are people at the ACI in solitary confinement. They just call it something different. Yeah, they call it you know, restricted housing. They try to put like lipstick on the pig, of yeah, course, to make it sound. It's the same thing. Yep, you're in a room and it's just you and it's concrete walls and that's it. Twenty-three point five hours a day. Come out for maybe a shower. And and the and the sadistic, really crazy thing is a lot of these prison officials know do and do this. Because they, they, it, it drives the people insane, and that's what they want. They want to punish you, but think about that. Think about how, in, how crazy and sadistic these administrators are that they put you in this situation to literally drive you insane, yeah, okay? Well. Like, that's, that is, so, so physical pain you can recover from, okay? Most physical pain you can recover from, but that physical pain you don't recover from, it affects you what? affects you mentally, yeah. okay? It doesn't affect you phys- physically. Eventually, you heal. But that mental scarring of what you endured will always be there. Yeah. So solitary confinement is basically giving you that mental scarring right away. Forget the physical pain. We're just going to write to the mental scarring yeah. and drive you insane because we're going to put you in a room and deprive you of anything that you could react to. No, your senses will not hear anything. You will not see anything worthwhile. You will not, you know, you the, hear the, the people, food we give you will, will suck and not you taste like You can hear like the anything. people down the hallway screaming as they kind of freak out. As they go insane, yes. You I've get to hear this, other people go yeah, insane. I've heard a lot of these stories, and they're, and they're terrible. They're heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And it's so not we, something you would want to do to the worst of us. So we need to touch on that. The worst of us. We need to touch on that, and we should probably try and try and even get a guest on that's endured this if we can, and see uh, from a, from a first person's perspective what it's like. Because I'll tell you this: I did an interesting thing, and again, we're so off topic here, but whatever. It's oh, our yeah. show; we can do what we want. Um, I had a VR uh, headset, uh, an Oculus VR headset, and one of the things the Guardian partnered up with uh, some prison system and allowed you to basically experience solitary confinement. So you put on the 3D headset, okay? You could be in your house, you could be wherever, and you're in a solitary confinement cell. And they challenge you, okay, sit on your couch, all right, and just sit here and do it for an hour and, and see what you think. And I was like 15 minutes in and I'm like, 
this sucks. This yeah. is like, what What are you supposed to do? Like, I can see myself inventing people that aren't there. Of course. You know, and driving myself, because there's nothing, to, there's no reaction. I would it's start nothing. as soon as possible inventing people who aren't there, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm going to look at that first five minutes of solitary thinking, all right, let's start getting some interesting people in here with me because I don't want to be alone. Right, that. right. That's yeah. exactly it. And even though I knew it was a simulation and it wasn't real. And you can stop how real it, How real it feels, you're like looking around, you're like feeling clothes. Like it was like a yeah. tiny, like And at any point, you can take that off. And yeah. you're free. At any yep. point, you can say, "I gotta go to the bathroom." Yeah, yeah. And you get up, and I'm gonna go read a book. I'm gonna go outside and get some fresh air. You can. That's all open to you. So when you're doing this experiment, you're doing it with this idea. But imagine if you had no choice. Yeah, that's just yeah. where you're put. And it's not just an hour. It's not just a day. But some people are put in this. I know nationally. I don't know about Rhode Island, but some people nationally have been in. Have been. I know. It's. I think it's North Carolina or South Carolina. Someone was posting this on Twitter. A former prisoner was saying that they put these people in segregated, you know, uh, solitary confinement, yeah. and they're not allowed outside. Yeah. So usually in solitary, you're supposed to get an hour or so, half hour, hour, I guess, a day where you can walk in a cage outside. It's pathetic, but that's, you know, at least you get to go outside and look at outside. All right. But these people are not even getting that. They're completely being deprived and driven insane on purpose because, again, no accountability. We have a a letter from a person online right now, an inmate who is currently inside uh, the ACI who talks about when the uh, COVID tests were first being introduced. He saw false positives showing up. He knew he had a. He saw a guy who got a COVID test was give got a false positive and was immediately put into uh, a bu- uh, another section of the jail with a whole bunch of other positives. And he's like, wait a minute, if they're giving, and he knew he was false positive because when he did a second test, he was back. Happened to the same guy twice. So he's like, I don't want to take a test, get a false positive, and then be put in with a bunch of other positive people where I'm almost certainly going to catch it. So, so do you, you think that was used as a punishment? Well, so he re- well here's the thing. So he refused to take the test. They left him in his cell without a shower, without leaving for ten days. All they did was slide food to him. Yep. For ten days. There's no accountability. The the jail with, officials do not right. have to by law do anything really at all, like anything. Just show up, and there's no law because we figure everyone that's a criminal murdered or raped somebody. That's the mentality of you. And if you're listening to this and you think that, like fuck you, okay? <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to use real strong language here. Fuck you people who think that everyone in jail, A, deserves to be in jail, and B, are violent offenders. Because guess what? Newsflash, the overwhelming number of people in in prison nationally, okay, did not commit violent crime. Uh, In this state right now, the overwhelming majority of people are not even being held uh, who have been convicted. They're just people awaiting trial. And that's a, that's a big thing. I like to, I usually use the term jail when we're describing, even though in us, I think it's the same thing. It's the same it's, thing. They're going it's to the ACI. But in, but in a lot of states, they have separate jails, usually in the town or whatever. I think yeah. we do too. Um, where, you know, they put you, well, you know, while you're waiting a arraignment or you did something over the weekend or whatever, they keep you there or whatever. Right. Usually you get better treatment there. It's usually but local cops and they will in usually Rhode Island, these are people being better. held for months at a time awaiting trial. Right, but that's having, your point, is that these people charged. didn't get convicted of anything. We live in, again, it's when you're, when you're raised in this country, they give you, they feed you all this BS, right? And it's so not true. Like, like innocent until proven guilty, yeah, that's no. bullshit. That's bullshit. Because if it was true, there would be no bail because there would be no holding people. Like, you did a crime, okay. Either, A, you have an immediate trial. If it's like a, 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 a violent offender that you need to keep off the street, okay, immediately have a trial. Let's yeah. do this, okay? Um, or even if you have to keep them in jail for like a couple of days, all right, maybe you can get away with that. Okay, maybe. But the fact is, if you're saying that people are innocent until proven guilty, why, why are they in jail then? Yeah, it's a, it's a mess of a system. And, uh, there's, and again, most of the people are not there for violent crimes. They're there for other stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
Um, and it's an interesting thing about crime anyway. I have a one. I think we should close up because we're probably going away over time. But we're about an hour and thirty in right now. All right. So. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to make a point here about crime in general. <laughs> There's this whole idea that crime is a cultural concept, and what I mean by that is this. And here's a really good example. If I work for a company and I steal a thousand dollars from that company, all right, I have to pay restitution, and I could be charged criminally. I could even go to jail for that. If I work for a company and my boss steals money from their employees to the tune of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. They're not arrested. They don't go to jail. They may pay restitution. They may not. They may pay a percentage of restitution, like uh, pay 10% to all the people for the money you stole. And it might be a fine to the state. It's not a, that person doesn't go to jail, doesn't have his housing taken away, doesn't have, doesn't like leave his family behind, doesn't lose his business, right? So I steal $1,000. I go to jail. My boss steals $1,000. Barely a crime. Not even a crime. Not considered a crime. The whole idea of crime is a cultural concept. We have decided that white-collar theft of an empl- from an employee isn't a crime, but an employee stealing from their employer is a crime. And it's the same exact thing. In fact, it's war because being poor and having no power, I'm doing something maybe for survival. Being rich and having a lot of power, they're doing something maybe out of greed. And so we have to think a lot about why some people are in jail. And why some people are not in jail as well. Yep. And a lot of it, to tie this in, a lot of it comes back to money. Right. You know, like, like I said, I don't know the statistics. I haven't looked this up. But my guess is that the majority of people that are in prison are in there for some sort of theft or robbery. Probably. That would be my guess uh, because, you know, everything leads to money. You know, it's all, it's, it's, I shouldn't say that. There are two things that, you know, uh, people, people end up putting, being put in prison for. Number one is, you know, money situation. You needed money. You don't have it, so you went and tried to obtain it illegally, you yeah. know, whether theft, robbery, or like that. And the other thing is just, you know, disrespect or respect. You know, people sometimes, usually, you know, commit murder because there was some disrespect along the way, yeah, okay, one way or the other. Whether it was a girlfriend, whether it was a rival, whatever it was, usually murder someone because of some disrespect thing. So a disrespect thing is, is another tangent, but getting to the money part of it, you know, so much crime is, is to do with the fact that people don't have money that need the money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, people, there are people, of course, that, that rob and steal to get, you know, the latest technology. They may not need a new laptop, but hey, is it opportunity? There's a car that's doors open. Let me take this laptop, whatever. But I think a, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, steal and rob because of necessity. And even those people, they, they're looking for stuff they can fence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's they like, steal your laptop. They want to get the money out of it. I'm going to and know your password and be able to use that laptop. Yep. I'm going to take that. I'm going to fence it to somebody who can do that. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm that's not, exactly it. Yeah. And you're going to use that money to, you know, either A, buy drugs right. because you're on drugs. And why are you on drugs? Because your life sucks and because that's that's your life because it sucks and you don't have any money. So and it's like a vicious cycle right. that just goes on and on and on. So the and point here is some drugs and not others. The point here is paying your people a good wage, a livable wage has so many societal yeah, benefits that it just doesn't make sense to not do it. And like I said, if you did the numbers, if you cracked the numbers and your business Really, you could not profit a reasonable amount of money when paying your people $15 an hour, then there's a couple of steps you should take. Number one, you know, look at maybe reducing your workforce so you can pay the people you actually have a livable wage. Okay, if it's really, if it's really unaffordable, then nobody's going to sit you here and tell you, well, do it anyway and go out of business. Yeah. That's just stupid. But on the other hand, you're going to look at ways that you can do it. Re- reduce your workforce, you know, because, hey, I'm paying you $10 an hour now. If I pay you $15 an hour, maybe there'll be some motivation to be more productive from your existing staff. I don't know. But 
that's a possibility, you know. And the other thing is, is, is look at your whole business plan and say, like, how can I increase my margin? How can I sell more to be able to pay my, pay my people a livable wage? Because if you can't pay them fifteen dollars an hour, then your business is just—it's not a viable business. That's, it's just I, that's not, what I think. I, I think that's the case. And you know, there's no right to be in business that means you can enslave people, basically, or right. pay them so oh, yeah. little that they're basically working for a pittance. Right. There's not—that's not a human right. You're human, you have a human right to start a business, but you don't have a human right to abuse people while you're doing it. Right. 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 If it's on you, I mean, here's the thing: you work for yourself. I work for myself. We both work real hard, and I work more than 40 hours a week to do Uprise Rhode Island, and I probably make less than minimum wage. But I'm doing it to myself. I'm not forcing other people to work for me. I'm not saying, hey, come in here, please, and work for me, and I'll pay you $6 an hour. Yep. In fact, I tell people right out, if you want to contribute to Uprise, that's great, but just know that I can't really afford to pay it for you, and I'm going to – and like so – and. I understand you want to get your word out, but just know that I'm not hiring reporters right now, right? I don't have that kind of money. I try to be really honest. I don't want to be the guy who's talking about minimum wage and then paying people shit wages. Oh, yeah. Right? That would be, I'm not, I do not want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I'm right. trying to do. Exactly right. You know, and, and it's important. And I think it's important too for, for lefties, you know, especially on social media. You know, if you believe in something, then um, believe in it. If someone posts a contrarian view, and it's a lefty, quote unquote, lefty view, but you just don't agree with it, then say something. It's okay. You know, you know, and, and, and you know, because I'll tell you, man, I, I take opposing views uh, seldom on Twitter, um, you know, for whatever situation it is. Like, you know, the, the vaccine situation with the, uh, you know, board members and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was the one that reached out and said to, and I talked to you about this too, Steve, yep. and I said, you know what? Uh, let's get all the facts here. If these board members are doctors and they're contributing to the hospital, then yes, they deserve a vaccine. They deserve a vaccine, you know, and that's it. And we can, we can argue about that. But the fact is, is that you need to know all the information. And if you feel differently, then say something, you know, but bottom line is, I think we all agree on minimum wage. Uh, minimum wage needs to be higher yeah. and not $15 an hour in five years. Okay. It needs to be $15 an hour now, well, now in five years, $15 an hour, five years ago. And it should be attached to inflation so that we never have to deal with this again. It's $15 now. And then it, as inflation goes up, the minimum wage goes up. And so you advocates out there and lawmakers that are listening, uh, it's so important that we stop dealing with this. So let's pass it right. and then attach it to inflation so that it's always continuing to rise up as inflation rises up. And we don't get into a situation now, 15 years from now, where the minimum wage is still $15 an hour right. because we never attached it to inflation and we just let it ride. And then business owners make a killing and off of the backs sure of their workers. And we have to make $15 is even the right number because if it's not, it needs to be a number that people can live on and then attach to inflation. So whatever that number is, it might be fourteen seventy-five. It might be sixteen twenty-five. But whatever that number is, that's what it needs to be at and then attached to inflation. And then we should periodically review it too to make sure, is this working for people? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's our minimum wage, which means it's the least, you know, Jesus would say, the least of our brothers, right? These are the people that, you know, what you pay them is what yep. you would have paid Jesus. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know, if you oh, were yeah. coming in. And so think about that for a minute. How much would you pay Jesus to like mow your lawn? And if you're not paying Jesus right, uh, Jesus is going to basically send you to hell. <laughs> so and you might um, So that concludes, we'll conclude our show today. Uh, one of the longest shows we've done, but hopefully it was entertaining. I know we covered way more topics yeah. than we probably expected to. And we'll try to... We'll try to stay on better topic for next week. Uh, but I enjoyed this. It was nice to, you know, pick a few topics and, and kind of argue them from every angle. 
Um, you know, I'm sure people are not going to agree with everything we said on everything, but that was the point. The point is to debate things from every aspect and trying to see other points of view that we may not necessarily agree with, but that these are points of view that people have and kind of, you know, uh, see it from there. So, um, if you guys have feedback about the show, love us, hate us, um, let us know. You can email podcast at rifp.co. RIFP stands for Rhode Island Free Press dot company. Nice. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the rest. Uh, if you want to support our show or UprisRI.com, we'd love to have you as a Patreon, a patron. Uh, you can visit our Patreon by going to UprisRI.com and clicking Donate. Uh, remember our sister podcast, Can We Fix It, is Fridays at 12 p.m. on Uprise RI with Maura and Jen. Uh, always an entertaining show, especially lately. So tune in and find out what she's up to. And then for the latest on Rhode Island politics, uh, especially the stuff that's going on at the State House, we're covering everything almost every day. You're getting the scoop of what's gone down. Uh, we're covering that. We're covering climate change. We're covering activism and all that stuff. Visit UpriseRI.com. We'll see you next week. Check our Twitter for the nominees for next week's topic, and you can vote on those. Uh, now that we started this, we're going to open the polls up for a whole week this time, so you'll have plenty of time to vote, but go ahead and do that. By the time you listen to the show, the poll will be up, and we're going to pin it. Can we pin it? Steve, is that okay? We'll find out. Can we do that? Well, I know we can. Oh, then let's I'm do saying, it. is that okay to pin it to the top of Uprise? Sure. So we'll pin it, and you guys can uh, vote on our topics and not have to scroll through and find it, because we post a lot of tweets lately. Yeah. So that'll be uh, easy to find at that. Right now, my Avengers review is pinned. No, that's a joke. But. That would be that would be hilarious if that's what we pinned. But um, yeah, so so give us your input on what you like us to cover, and I promise next week we'll try and actually cover the topics that uh, you picked. Until then, see you next week. Thanks everybody. Take care.